This is Episode 5, Season 1 of Strength Agenda Radio. Just when you think you have all the answers, I go ahead and change the question. This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. So somebody shared an article with me the other day um, from a very prominent strength and conditioning department coach, whatever you want to call it, from a high-end uh, Division One university. And I believe it was one of their assistants. I don't remember the name off the top of my head. But um, the assistant was quoted as saying, I go into the gym every day expecting somebody to puke. I just want that to set in for a little bit. Like, initially when I read that, I was like, I am not reading the rest of this article. But I read the rest of it anyways. And after I finished, I closed up and I'm just like, really? Is this really still a thing? Um, I got a number of issues with this. Um, first off, my, my, my number one question is, when did throwing up during a workout become a measurable um, um, factor of progress? Uh, these are individuals who are tasked with the responsibility of keeping um, Division One athletes, which usually if you're a D1 athlete, you are the cream of the crop at that university. Uh, the, the Most of them are on scholarship. The university has made an investment in that athlete for them to return on that investment by performing on the field. And your goal as the person the university has put in place to get them to perform at that optimum level is to break their body down so much that they are going to be throwing up after each and every workout. Now, I understand he's not trying to he's not the person isn't saying that I want everybody to puke or I want the same person to puke every day. But he just said, I expect every day for somebody to puke. Now, last time I checked, when you go to the NFL Combine, if you go to a pro day for baseball or any of these other uh, high-end sports that are trying to recruit these college kids, there is no test for projectile vomit. There is no test that you, you that, that checks how many gold stars you got for throwing up that day in the workout. It doesn't make you more hardcore. It doesn't make you a better athlete. It doesn't make you that much more enticing for that pro team to use a draft pick on you. So why this is still a thing that we are pushing just makes absolutely no sense to me. What happened to focusing on the PRs? What happened to focusing on better quality of movement? What happened on putting in measurable, you know, uh, 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 place marks that you can check at, at different phases of a workout or a training program or a block or anything along those lines? that just show measurable progress from, from benchmark to benchmark. Like when did that not become the thing and puking in your workout became a measurable form of progress? Um, what about improvement from a pre-test to a post-test? Why is that not more of a measurable thing? Um, how does forcing the body to repeatedly, you know, break down to the point that they're vomiting, how does, how does that accomplish anything? Um, the goal is to be able to get in, push your body to its limits, and then be able to recover so you can come in the next day and do it. If you are constantly pushing the body to the point that it is, you know, completely broken down, and you do that repeatedly, whether it's in the off season or if it's in, you know, during the season, like how do you expect the body to recover from that? 
Um, it just we we have too many uh, issues, stories, whatever uh, these days in the strength and conditioning world of of college athletes that are getting these weird injuries or college athletes just simply dying during an off season or a conditioning workout or something along those lines. Um, and then when they go and they research what the, 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 major of some of these strength coaches are, what their background is, like they don't have the proper credentials in place to be in that position. They either knew somebody or they, you know, they, 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 they listened well enough to their mentor and were able to just regurgitate that information without actually understanding why the mentor did or said or implemented any of the things that they are now implementing with you know, their athletes that they're working with. So, um, my personal opinion, when it comes to these strength and conditioning positions, these strength and conditioning departments, um, the number of injuries that occur or the number of incidents like this that occur across a period of time should be a determining factor for job security. Just because you've been with an institution for a long period of time and some of your athletes, you know, show results. Like you need to look from top to bottom. If there are a lot of meniscus tears, if there's a lot of, you know, rotator cuff problems or any other injury of that sort, like that needs to be, you know, factored into whether an athlete is able to keep their job or uh, not an athlete, I'm sorry, a, a strength coach is able to keep their, their job or not. Now I understand things happen. Trust me. Um, freak accidents occur all the time. I've seen it in my own you know, coaching and working with athletes at the college level and stuff like that. I, I understand things happen that are out of your control, but the, the for the greater good of the group, there should not be a ton of injuries. There should not be a ton of puking. There should not be a ton of um, mishaps going on. If there are, that coach needs to be looked into and possibly removed from that position to ensure the safety of those athletes. When you're looking at progress, stick to the basics. Define progress with measurable, repeatable forms of assessment. There is no reason to use off-the-wall things to measure progress. Yes, a little competition is fun. Yes, going off the reservation every once in a while is great. You know, it promotes teamwork. It might push somebody to a level they never even would have um, dared going near and, and, and accomplishing. But for the most part, when it comes to designing a program uh, in the strength and conditioning world, when you're working with high-end athletes, you need to define progress for measurable, repeatable forms of assessment. You don't want to purposely try to hurt your athletes. It's not cool. It's not sexy. It's not awesome to do otherwise. So please keep it simple. Stick to the basics. And stop trying to impress your friends by hurting your athletes. Now let's get to the show. What's one thing you use every training session? One thing that if you changed for under $10 would have an immediate effect on your training. For myself and my lifters, that was upgrading to hand armor chalk. Hand armor, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting, is professional grade stuff. We keep it old school in the gym with their block chalk, but for me personally, I'm a huge fan of their liquid chalk. I use it whenever I'm throwing as a base layer before I tape up my hands, and it's a total game changer. It's completely mess-free, long-lasting, antimicrobial, and most importantly, gives me a great grip for my entire training session. I love this stuff and recommend you give it a try. The block chalk just starts at $3 and the liquid chalk under $7. Plus, if you use code AGENDA at checkout, you get an additional 10% off. HandArmorChalk.com. Go get yours now. 
My guest today, ladies and gentlemen, is Dane There You Go Miller. If you've ever <laughs> been at a USA uh, weightlifting meet and you see a garage strength lifter hitting a big lift and then some big gorilla looking dude jumping around in the background, this is your guy. He is probably one of the top throwing and weightlifting coaches that you have might not have ever heard of. So today we have Dane Miller on the show. Dane, thanks for being here, bud. Thanks for having me. So let's start at the square one. Give us a little bit of a background on yourself. You know, what got you involved in sports? Um, you know, some of your accomplishments. You're, you're, you're a state champion shot putter. You threw at Penn State. You know, multiple time, you know, Big Ten uh, finisher and, and national qualifier. And, you know, you, you now have Garage Strength, which is one of the, you know, I would say one of the, the fastest growing gyms uh, in, in the country right now in terms of notoriety and popularity and all that. Just give us the history. Give us the background of how all of this has come to be. Um, so I, I got into lifting when I was in about seventh grade. And uh, I always wanted to lift. And, and my dad my dad was a fairly big meathead himself. So I would always you know, sort of tag along with him. He was a gym teacher or phys ed teacher. And, uh, you know, we, he would take me to the weight room and, and around the time that I was in seventh grade, he wanted me to start going up to the high school and training with the strength coach up at the high school that I, where I went to school. And, you know, I, I was a wrestler. Uh, I, I did a whole bunch of sports growing up, but I pr primarily in high school, I was into wrestling and, uh, football and, so I started training, and, and by the time I got into high school, I had asked my dad if we could get weights out in the garage, and, you know, he just wanted to see how long uh, we would, my brother and I would hold ourselves accountable with training, and uh, eventually he got us weights, and, and we moved it into the garage, and we were training for, for wrestling primarily, and a, a little bit of you know, a little bit of football. Um, I was an all-state football player as well in high school. And nice. But it was mainly, I was, my main goal, I wanted to be a state champion wrestler and I wanted to be an NCAA champion in wrestling. And, and I ended up having a, I fractured my radius my junior year and I got into throwing because of that. And, and throwing football is where I sort of ended up going um, when my career was finishing up and, you know, I had all my weights in the garage, and that's where I started when I when I, after I trained with Anatoly Bunderchuk for a year in Canada. Um, I moved home, and I my dad was like, "All right, I'm not supporting you anymore. You got to start paying your own bills." And and that that's what I decided to do. I wanted to try and train people in my my parents' garage, and they pretty much he wasn't supporting me fi financially, but he was because he let me use that space rent free for a while. So it it did help me and, and it also just helped me, you know, go back to my roots and, and that's where my business started. Talk about training with uh, uh, Anatoly Bondarchuk because uh, for those who don't know, he was the national coach for, was it Ukraine or was he with the Soviet Union he was, at the time? He was the head of the, the throws for the Soviet Union from uh, like 74 until they collapsed in the late yeah, 80s. And I mean, he's coached some of the best hammer, th I would say the best hammer throwers in the history of the sport. And then he was relocated to uh, Canada, uh, yep. Kamloops, right, to be yep. exact. And he was working with a, a group of throwers there. Um, I know Dylan Armstrong was one of his athletes, Kibway Johnson. Yep. Um, those are two of the more recent ones that people might know of. But explain what it was like training with him. So when I trained with him... Um, you know, so to, to tout Dr. B, he, you know, he had... 
I believe it's nine Olympic gold medalists and 18 medalists in, uh, overall. And he himself was an Olympic champion, a world record holder. Um, so I knew when I was going up there, when I, when I graduated from college, I was a religious studies major actually. And I had, I wanted to do one of two things. I either wanted to go get a PhD and become a religious studies professor, or I wanted to train people. And, um, I decided my senior year, I, I got a long drawn out story in college where I was this animal my freshman and sophomore year. I was, you know, I was, my future was so bright I had to wear sunglasses. I should have been, you know, I qualified for NCAAs as a sophomore and I was one of the best outside of Garrett Johnson. I was the, like, and Noah Bryant, it, you know, we were like the top three guys. And then I hit the bottle hard and became pretty much just a complete drunk for the next three years. Um, and so by my senior year, I, I had actually dropped out of school. Uh, I hitchhiked across Canada to try and do some soul searching. And I figured out I wanted to stop drinking and I wanted to change my life. And I wanted to like refocus on throwing. And, and I, you know, this is back when the ring was still around. And I, I got on the ring and, and uh, Martin Bingesser had been posting about people going, going to join Dylan and make like a training camp for Dylan for the 2008 Olympics. And so... Mm-hmm. I sort of looked at that as my, I decided I was going to go to Temple for grad school. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll go to go train under Dr. B and that'll be like my, my master's program or my PhD program. So I, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And I, I drove 46 hours there and I, I just literally, my parents supported me going. I had to get a job when I got there. I was delivering newspapers and working as a bouncer and, and I trained with, you know, Dylan got the bronze medal that year at the Olympics and Justin Rohde was a training partner, uh, another guy, Jesse Roberts, and then a whole bunch of really good hammer throwers. So it was, I went there to, to I wanted to have like a completely eye-opening experience and, and that's exactly what happened. It was, you know, the first day I was there, I was like, this is completely different from anything I've ever been exposed to. It was, it was completely it's so hard to describe to people what it's like unless you're there and, Mm -hmm. and walking, you know, my first experience was walking down and I see Dr. B and I knew who he was. I'd read one of his books and I studied some of his stuff already. And he's a normal guy, man. I was just like blown away that at first I was star, like starstruck. And then Dylan comes driving down in his truck and he's doing donuts in the, in the, this is literally the first day doing donuts in the sector. And I'm like, what is this place? And, uh, it, with, you know, within like a month, it was just the training group that year. It was, it, everybody had up and left like the U S to go train with Dr. B and everybody moved there for one goal. And it was either to try and make the Olympics or two goals, or basically I was there to try and push Dylan. And, and it, you know, the fact that it went as well as it did that year, it was, it was so freaking awesome. It was, it was a great group of people. You know, some of my best friends, I, you know, one guy, Ford Woodrig, I still talk to every day that I, I spent time with up there. It was, it was, it was awesome in every regard. That's awesome. Justin Rohde, that's funny you mentioned him. He, that was a guy that I threw against in college. He was a uh, uh, Division three at Mountain Union College. Right. Multiple-time uh, national champ in the shot put, uh, multiple-time All-American at discus, stuff like that. He was a hell of an athlete, and I was really happy to see, I believe, London. He qualified for the Olympics as a Canadian citizen. He had finally switched over his citizenship from U.S. to Canadian. Right, yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, ended up making it to the Olympics. So it was really cool to see him, and I, I totally forgot that he was up there at that same time you were. Yeah. Um, 
So you left there in 2008 and came back home and opened Garage Strength where you were, you know, training athletes and stuff like that. Um, what about you, though? I mean, the interesting fact that I don't think people know about, and I, I tell anybody that will freaking listen about it because to me it's an amazing accomplishment, is I don't remember the year, so forgive me on that. But it's 2014, uh, I think. 14, yeah. You qualified for senior nationals both as a, as a shot putter and a weightlifter, and the last American to do that, I believe, was, or, you know, was Alf Auerbach, or one of the few I Americans think- to do that. Somebody told me that there was a um, there was a guy in the early '90s that that made it, but he wasn't. They said they the guy who told me said he sucked, but he made it in both. So whether or not that happened, I don't know. But I, I think there could have been somebody else. Um, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it was one of those. For for me, it was. I knew my throwing career was coming to a close because. Mm-hmm. Um, I have horrible arthritis in my right elbow. I, yeah. I had, I had Lyme disease and I was, you know, trying to get healthy from that. And, and I knew I, you know, you know, I had my first son Lincoln and, and I was, I had him at the gym all the time with me. So I, it was getting harder to raise him properly and, and still train. Yeah. Um, so I qualified for us indoors and then I, I wanted to, to keep throwing and lifting the rest of that year. And I did a meet, you know, I did one meet July 4th and I went 145. And, and if anybody knows me, I, I never clean. I, I just, I've always been terrible at it, Yeah. but I, I power clean 162 and I jerked it. And my goal was I wanted to do 170, but when I power cleaned it and I jerked it, on the jerk, I actually hurt my back because I've, I've got a really good jerk, but I've got a horrible clean. So yeah, I did, yeah. I did, I did still make it. So it was, you know, it was cool too, because it was, you know, my sister was there. She was a judge. That was something special that she was, could be a part of. And it was just yeah. one of those experiences that, uh, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted it. I honestly tell them this to, to be completely honest. I did it so that I could have conversations like this and brag about it. <laughs> hey, but you know what? That's okay. Like, I mean, I, I so I, I was a, 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 a all American D three uh, thrower at Aurora University, and then I was all set to move out to Arizona. Kind of similar situation. Um, John Godina had just started the World Throw Center, right, and pretty much put a call out there for any athlete that was interested. So I, you know, messaged him, and he's like, he saw some of my throwing videos. He goes, "Oh yeah," he goes, uh, "I definitely don't think you know gliding in the shot is your future." He goes, "But if you want to come out here and get some work done, like I'll work with you," kind of a deal. Um, Long story short, I ended up not going and took a teaching job and I was personal training and working and all that stuff. And uh, one of the studios that I was working at was run by Ingrid Markham, who had, was a, a national champion weightlifting. She was an Olympic alternate for bobsled and she had uh, an existing relationship with Glenn Penley. And she kind of, you know, was like, hey, you know, Glenn's looking for some weightlifters, like if it's something you're interested in. And I ended up at Cal Strength. But then when I saw your accomplishment, I was like, man, I was like, I wonder if I can get back to throwing and try to pull that <laughs> off. Like, as soon as you you did it, I was like, that is a cool statistic to have. Like, you know, it's almost as elusive as, you know, an American snatching 400, pound, uh, yeah, 400 pounds. Like, there was only, I think, eight or nine of them, you know, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. the entire history of the U.S. Like, it's just one of those stats. Like you said, like, it doesn't matter why you did it. It's a cool stat to have and something that you could sit there and have conversation with people for. Like, nobody's ever going to be able to take that away from you. Yeah, that's so I don't true. Care. I don't care why you did it. I don't care why you did it. It's a cool stat <laughs> to have. That makes um, you feel better. 
Exactly. So, um, like I said, I always brag about it to people because I hear people talking about, oh, you can't be, you know, elite in more than one sport. And I'm like, BS, like there's multiple, you know, athletes that have, you know, done multiple sports and have been really good at it. And like I said, you're one of the people I always reference. I'm like, so I don't want to hear about it. You know, and I, when I hear that argument that, you know, you have to be super specialized. Um, so let's now talk about garage strength. You know, you started, um, I started really paying attention in 2009. I remember you in particular posting videos of you doing metcons, so to speak, or you, you labeled one of them like metabolic conditioning. You were doing snatches. No, Lifticioning. Lifticioning. There you go. You yeah, were doing yeah. snatches and box jumps and you had the heater, the, the, the wood, uh, the wood stove, the wood stove right yeah. next to, to the video or whatever. Um, and that that's was an old school high, video. That's an old video. That was one of the first <laughs> videos I, I started watching of, of yours when I was, uh, you know, graduating college and, and getting into, you know, my own thing. And it was just, it was really cool to watch. And then I have like, I, I, I've loved watching the growth of garage strength over the years. Um, I mean, you work with all sorts of athletes, all sorts of, you know, people in general, you got soccer moms in there. You got all American discus throwers. You have like little, you know, kid wrestlers, stuff like that. And then your son on top of it. Like, yeah. I feel like I've watched Lincoln grow yeah. from just, you know, trying to pull a sled around to him, like climbing ropes and doing swinging around in the gym and all that. Now you have your second son, Sanderson, and they're doing the same stuff. Um, so talk about garage strength, like how all your experiences have kind of like, you know, led to what you got going on at garage strength now. I think what helped me was that I uh, actually, I took, you know, you work, you, uh, you talked about Adam Nelson before the podcast and, and Adam, when I came home from Canada, hit me up and he, this is right after Beijing. He didn't compete well. And he had asked for, he wanted me to work with him for, for a little bit. So I, I wrote a couple programs for him based off of what we did in Canada. And I want to say it was about four or five months. And he had, he had recommended I go up and work with Charles Poliquin. So I did go up and I worked with, with them a little bit in Rhode Island. I got exposed to like just a completely, you know, going from college and then going to Dr. B and then going to see and working with Poliquin. It was like this very, uh, I, a pretty well-rounded training systems that I was exposed to. Oh, for sure. And so I was lucky when I, when I, with my business then, uh, people knew who I was from from being a good wrestler, a good shot putter, a good football player. I was I was fairly well known in the area. And what helped me is that I, dude, I was actually like a beast swimmer too growing up. And I'm oh, not yeah. I'm not yeah, even like, so so I was lucky that at, in the beginning I had swimmers, I had soccer players, I had volleyball players, I had basketball, I had wrestling, I had you know football and track and. That helped me a lot as far as developing a training system that could cater to numerous different sports. You know, I've had state medals in all of those all of those sports that I just named. I've had a state medalist in every single one, or or an all state athlete in every single one. So yeah. that helped me from the beginning, like just to to develop system of training, a system of training that could cater to each one based off of their needs. But it's sort of like my system is like a pull and plug exercise based like based off of what the priority is for the, each individual um and and their specific sport so you know i got to the point now where you know we just moved to a new our third facility now and and you know this year for track i i had uh five athletes or six athletes hit the world standard i'm gonna have three athletes competing there um at worlds i've got a a freestyle wrestler that's going to be competing at at worlds coming up here in the end of august and i had 
five members of the junior world team in weightlifting. So I have three, three different sports that we have athletes on the world level. I've had um, a whole bunch of NCAA All-Americans in four different sports. So it's sort of like, for me, it's it's something I'm very proud of is that a lot of people will look at me and they say like, oh, well, he's just a shot putter and he's just a, a for weightlifting coach. But in reality, I've got, you know, some of the, I have, I mean, I'm the strength coach for arguably the best football team in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and also just a whole bunch of different sports like volleyball. I've got a kid at, at Penn State that's on the volleyball team. So it's something I'm pretty proud about is that I've learned how to cater towards different athletes based off of the their their goals in each sport as well that's all i mean that's something you should be proud of i mean there are outside of certain you know ncaa strength and conditioning coaches which sometimes get these kids handed to them i don't know how many strength coaches can actually brag about the 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 the, the breadth and depth of you know athlete quality athlete that you have going on so, and it's not like you've gone out and been like just handed these athletes, like you've recruited these athletes to you. So that in and of itself is an accomplishment. Yeah. I always take them. I always tell people, I say, look up Leesport, Pennsylvania and tell me how many freaks are coming out of Leesport, Pennsylvania. But that, and, and I mean, the thing is, is it's literally a small town in the yeah. middle, of, like just north of Reading, Pennsylvania, which is one of the most poverty stricken cities in the United States. We're not sitting in, you know, San Francisco or LA. Or, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I, I, that's something else that, you know, I've tried to cultivate the the hard Pennsylvania Dutch work ethic that you can find in some kids today and and try to use that to to get them to the top of their sport. I'd imagine it's getting harder and harder to find that work ethic as, <laughs> as, as, the, as the years go on. I blame the parents, not the kids. Oh, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just, <laughs> and just like I, I teach at uh, um, uh, a Catholic grade school, at that uh, it's a, a partner campus with a Catholic high school. Okay. And they're the the 3A state champions here in Illinois. And um and, and just one of those things where it like it, the hard work just comes in, you know, pockets. Like it's not necessarily one of those things that um it's widespread anymore. Like you kind of got to search those kids out and some of them you can kind of help them develop a little bit more of a work ethic and some of them you can't. <laughs> yeah, just you're just not going to be able to help them out there. So the big thing is like weightlifting um or not big thing but like a one thing i see you utilize a lot is weightlifting and different complexes and stuff like that and um you've been posting a lot of videos lately of football players snatching and pretty much saying that like if you can't teach a football player how to snatch like you're a shitty coach (laughs) um a i agree with that 110 percent. but explain how you've been able to incorporate the, the 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 snatch and the clean and jerk and their variations into your athletic training i i think that um to finish bragging about myself is that um well actually i probably won't be done i like to talk now you but (laughs) we got we got plenty of time you brag as much as you want (laughs) i'd say to like finish off that like well-rounded background i have is that i i spent a lot of time with norik vardanian and i spent you know he's a close friend of mine and and he has helped me tremendously as far as like understanding technique and movement and and how what I should be looking at in athletes um, over the last you know he and I have known each other for about three like th- around three years now and I think what what ended up happening is that I I would take what he taught me and I go in and and utilize that with my weightlifters where or with my football players because I sit there and I'm like. 
you know, a lot of the stuff we do, we do a lot of single leg squats, and but we yeah. also do a lot of snatching and, and cleaning. And I think the whole thing is that for me with them, I don't even remember your original question, Tom, because I was try, trying to make this a sound like a really good good answer for you. But no, when no, I try to, with, with my football players is I, I, I try to hold them accountable for their movement. I, yep. I put in pauses. I like to use a lot of pauses in certain positions. And yep. we like to have, we have high frequency. Like one thing that I think that sort of hurt me growing up is that I would snatch like once a week and, and yeah. I would never clean because I just always had a, I had, a, I have a little longer legs and I never liked front squat and I never liked back squat. And, and then my coach would let me get away with it because I had a really good snatch. And, but I would only snatch once a week. And I snatched one time when I was in high school, but I think if, if I had been, you know, a little bit more frequent with my snatching, I could have snatched a pretty decent amount when I was in high school. And I think what yeah. I've done now with these kids at uh, Burke's Catholic, which is a school I coach at for them, is we snatch or we clean almost every single day. And I think that yeah. that, leads, that leads to like some really good growth and it also leads to improved mobility so they have better positions. And it's it's just like a snowball effect. It's like the more they snatch, the more mobile they get in the and the more you know the more they can hit these better positions in the in the field as well. So yeah, I don't know. I think that that's that's like no, a, that, that, that 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 answers the question. But yeah, I just like I said, uh, it's just it's not very um, often you see somebody so adamant about teaching the snatch in particular to football players. Like like I, I know I've heard it. And I've I've obviously you have because I've read your posts and stuff that you know it's it's bad for the athlete. It's it, it's there's not enough time to teach them the technique. Like it's an unsafe movement. Blah 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 blah. And like I said, I just I, I it intrigues me to see such growth of all your athletes. And I know you're heavy in the lift. So did, did but I know you said you you talked to Nork and all that. But did Bonderchuk influence that all, at at all in terms of your what you learned from him or when you were spending time with Poliquin and all that in the in the frequency and the intensity that you implement the lifts both you know with your weightlifters. And with all your other athletes that you work with, I would say Dr. B uh, influenced that the most. Is that one yeah. thing I've done is that I've, and this I, I've, I sort of learned this from Norik. So he he sort of explained the Armenian system and it, and then how he grew up with his dad and and based that around, you know, all these variation lifts and then that you could use the variation lifts dependent upon what the technical issues are or you know any issues, mobility issues, whatever it is that an athlete might have. So what I've done is I feel like I do a pretty good job of figuring out what what variation lifts the athlete needs for their sport that they're in. So for football, I've got like six to eight key variation exercises on the platform that we'll do on a regular basis. And then mm-hmm. the, and then the frequency is obviously influenced by Dr. B because Dr. B would have you know, you're a shot putter, so you throw every single day. You're a weightlifter, you weightlift every single day. And yep. it's the same and it's the same principle with these kids. If is if they want to learn and I want them to improve uh, their mobility and I want them to improve their movement in general, I, I've I've narrowed it down to like again, six to eight exercises that are specific for the platform for uh, for the football players and we frequent we do them all the time, and yeah. I mean even to the point where some of the coaches were like, "Well, are you sure this is okay?" I'm like, "Dude, this is better this way. They can practice. It's just like it's just yeah. like anything else with a skill. If if 
if we get their skill better here, and it will carry over because it's also about learning the skill. It's not just having that skill. It's also about the process of learning a skill. And if they can master the process of learning a skill in the weight room, they're going to master the processes of learning skills elsewhere. So that's sort of like, that's all, I would say that's mainly um, Dr. B and from Norick that I, that I have sort of molded that into my own, my own nice. system. So you mentioned, you keep mentioning like the six uh, movements or whatever. And that was one thing that I always um, liked about the way Bondarchuk explained things like his training blocks focused around the same movements, like you said, every day. So do you do the same thing with your weightlifters? Um, like with training blocks, is it the same, like six similar movements as you emphasize with them? Or is it a little bit different with the weightlifters versus your, your, like your football players or your throwers or, or, uh, like your volleyball athletes? So for the, for weightlifters, yeah, I would say it's different. It's as far as comparative, um, basically what I do is I try and figure out like where, where their movement problems are and, mm -hmm. It does depend on the block and how close we are to peaking. I change things when we're we're getting close to a peak, but I try and see where their inefficiencies are in the competition lifts, and then I try and I basically have a list of you know, 30, 40 variation exercises that I pick and pull from, and then I've got a 30, 35 strength exercises that I pick and choose from as far as like if I see like you know somebody somebody's not finishing their pull, so we use this type of pull. If somebody's, you know, creeping forward on their toes early, so we do this, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. Or somebody, yeah. somebody's jumping back two feet, so we use no feet snatches. So um, it's a little different, but it's this, the principle's sort of the same. The where it's like, the same, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say the variation, I vary their exercises day to day, but in that block, I don't vary their their five or six days i don't vary it for sometimes up to six weeks they might be doing the same stuff for six seven weeks whereas i feel like a lot of guys will change on a weekly basis mm -hmm. now so I, I mean i, I like mean, to see i like to see that adaptation a little bit longer yeah yeah i mean so uh i wouldn't say i'm exactly the same but um i do the same movements um for four weeks in a row with my athletes um, three weeks just kind of building up in intensity, but it's the same movements over and over again. Um, similar concept. Like, it's like the more you practice it, the better off you're going to get. And just focusing on certain people's weaknesses or issues. Like, if I see it, um, it's, it's easier now that I have the gym. Because before, I used to do it all remotely. And then, you know, having the gym, I could kind of see, you know, issues develop here and there and all that. And certain people, I'll adjust movements to make sure that they're, you know, getting rid of their weakness, but I'm a similar approach. Like I do the same thing week after week for about four weeks, and then I'll, I'll switch out the movements after four weeks and have a completely different variation uh, of movements. Um, so it, it's nice to hear other coaches with the same aspect because, yes, I've seen coaches that each week, like, though the movements change, and I feel like that's almost overstimulus on the body because it doesn't give the body enough time to adapt and, 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 and learn from whatever – technical issue or weakness or whatever they got going on so it's really cool to hear that you do that that it's interesting to hear that you do it for a longer period of time than like i'd be used to right right yeah yeah so what is what's the rest of the year look like for you guys uh like you said you just had a very successful junior world you had five athletes on that team which is ridiculous yeah um, you have you know your athletes competing at the world championships. Who's all competing? You have Alex Rose. Yeah, so uh, that, 
Sam and then who else? No, Sam didn't. Sam hit the standard, but he didn't make the team because there okay. was. So he, it's actually it's Alex Rose from Samoa, um, and he, he's a he's an Olympian from last year. Yep. Yeah, he um, coach, he coaches now at my alma mater, Aurora University. Yeah, he actually just left. Just, or just left. Yeah, he yeah, just graduated. He yeah. was a GA there. Yeah. Um, I got Tim Nedal who throws for Canada. And then I have Nick Arrhenius, who's an American that throws for Sweden, and then oh, yeah, uh, yeah. and then Mo Mo Riddick, who got fourth at uh, the U.S. Uh, Nationals, is the alternate for the women's shot from the U.S. Now, does she get the Does she get the go still, or is she just kind of on standby? Nah, she's just on standby. So they basically tell her like, okay, you you know, up until I mean, it's she's only got about a week or two left, and then then she's pretty much done. She's gonna close up. She's competing this weekend. Hoping, you know, I mean, not hoping, obviously, she doesn't want anything bad to happen to somebody else, but if something does come up, then she gets called, but I, I doubt she'll get called, but yeah, um, she is staying in shape. We went up to Canada, the Canada let us bring her up there, because I was going up to coach Tim anyway at Canadian Champs, and yeah, and they let Mo come up and throw to sort of raise up their competition a little, because they got two girls that are pretty solid, so she did throw at the Canadian champs last week, and then she she's going to throw down in Georgia this coming week. So she's still in shape. But we got three, three going from three different countries. I wouldn't. I, I'm disappointed with with uh, this. I wish Sam would have made the team. He didn't throw well at U.S. Nationals, and I, I'm I feel like ninety percent of that's my fault. So I mean. It's one of those things where if something shitty happens, he didn't compete well, and I got to come back and look at the drawing board and figure out what we did wrong, and and now rolling forward, yeah. what we're not going to repeat as a mistake, and what we're going to do better to get him yeah. to the world champion well, I mean, two years. I mean, he was another one. He threw at Penn last year, correct, or was he at Penn State? He was at Penn. He was at Penn. I just remember, I remember watching him throughout the uh, through his college career as well, like when he was working with you and all that stuff. I mean, he's he's a phenomenal thrower. So even just the progress he made from last year to this year. He's more awesome. consistent. Yeah, he's yeah. He had nine meets over sixty three meters, and last year he had one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, and then Alex Rose, like it's been, Alex has been interesting to watch because um, before I got to uh, Aurora University, they had nothing. Right. Um, like I, my, my freshman year was, I think, like the third or fourth year of the track program. Okay, like the 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 best they'd ever done was like third at conference, and then I got there. Um, and you know qualify for nationals and then the next year they recruited another thrower my one of my buddies who's in my wedding and all that and then the next year him and i both qualified for nationals and then the year after we you know got the school's first all-americans uh in the sport and um it just kind of grew a little bit from there and then after we left it kind of dipped back down and then i remember as i was moving back i was just kind of talking to my old track coach and and he told me he goes yeah he goes we got this guy that applied from central michigan um says he's a an olympian from samoa and he's gonna be our ga i was like oh that's really cool and then next thing i know um a all the records that me and my buddy set were just getting absolutely destroyed (laughs) yeah and aurora has their first you know national champions in you know multiple events and um i I went to actually watch them at indoor nationals this year and they were like one like good finish in another event from finishing on the podium as a as a team from national so it was really cool to see that the, the impact just Alex alone had on 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 the my old stomping grounds. So that was really cool to see, and I attribute a lot of that obviously to him working with you because 
you know, talking to some of the coaches and the throwers there, they said that, you know, his, his obviously how he works with them is heavily influenced by how, you know, he works with you and so forth. So that was really cool to see. I think what, what's ironic is that Ryan Negevin, who won their, their indoor shot title and then the outdoor discus title is that Ryan and I were working together online, uh, for about a year and a half and mm-hmm. then and then Alex and I were working together for about a year and a half and they would see each other randomly but like didn't know each other too too well and then Ryan was like yeah I think I'm gonna go I think I want to go back to school and go to Aurora and so because he had he had seen that Alex was coaching there so that helped and that's the thing with Alex too dude he's he's one of those guys he's a really good coach because he's not egotistical he's like mm-hmm. he'll listen and he'll ask me questions and then and then he'll you know with Ryan he was he was open to me still writing Ryan's strength stuff and him doing all this technique stuff and it was like perfect situation cuz Alex is super positive he's awesome he's going to be yeah. a really really good coach when he's done throwing and and it's like it's it sort of sucks that he's leaving cuz Ryan has one more year but now he's you know he's he's in a good spot where he, uh, his wife just got a, or his fiance just got a really good job. So he, it sucks he had to leave, but at the same time he's he's sort of growing up. So it's it's sort of cool to see. Like he's one of my first big time athletes I've had, and mm-hmm. and I'm just you know I'm proud to be a part of his journey. Really, absolutely. Where's he heading off to? He actually moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, so he's back going back up by Central Michigan over there. Yep. Or no, it's not near Central Michigan, but but it's it's north. It's in the vicinity. Yeah, yeah. very it's in, cool. It's in Michigan. <laughs> very cool. Is that where his uh, fiance's from? Yeah, they're all from uh, that that area. Very cool. Very cool. Good for him. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm definitely going to interested to see how uh, how Ryan does. I didn't I didn't realize he had. I knew he threw at St. Francis. Um, but I didn't know how many years he had of eligibility when he was at Aurora, so I'm really interested to see how he does. Yeah, he's got uh, one more year. I wonder who they hired as a throws coach. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, they might GA. They might GA the spot again. Who who knows? But what about you know the gym? Like, where is it heading? What do you got planned the rest of this year? I know you have the Power Festival come coming up, which yes. sounds like an awesome event. Yeah. So what what I'm trying to do with that is that you know we're coming up. That's August. Uh, 18th, 19th, and 20th, and and I'm trying to sort of embody everything that I'm into. Um, so mm-hmm. on Friday night, we're gonna have a shot competition under the lights, nice. and um, I'm gonna try probably to have a. I'm I'm sort of torn. I might I might do like $350 to first place, $250 to second place, something like that. Yeah, and then uh, or 500 bucks to the winner, and that's it. I'm not. I'm sort of. I'm a little torn on what I want to do, but I do want to put out some prize money so I can try and draw in some some decent throwers, get some 19, 20 meter throwers because the you know the professional season is sort of winding down. Yeah. Um, but then we're gonna have you know Olympic weightlifting on Saturday and a deadlift competition, like a deadlift ladder. Yeah. Uh, and then just like a we're calling something a teen challenge too. So we might even we're trying to make like a showcase for the Olympic weightlifting section where it'll be. You know, have like ten or twelve fem- men and and women, and put out like some money for that as well. See if we can draw some people in. But it's basically just you know, it's our first time we just moved to this new gym, to our new. It's like a sort of like a. I mean, it's back into a garage. We were in a barn. Now we're back into a garage, and it's like there you go. we want to sort of use the the facility and and have make this an annual event where it's like an open house slash, you know, like this it's is like a big has, old party. Yeah, exactly. Have some booze, have some food trucks, and, and there you go. And watch everybody crush some weights. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's how all good things started. I mean, I remember, 
you know, reading about the first uh, Summer Strong event at Sorenex. Right. And it literally started out in a very similar fashion where it was just a bunch of the guys. They all got together for a barbecue at the old gym um, that's in the back of the office now. They just got together. We're doing, they did a grip competition, did some deadlifting, you know, stuff along those lines. I think uh, uh, Rich Soren um, has a tradition of on his birthday every year, he deadlifts 500 pounds. And he's done it since he was like 20 something. And it, it fell right around his birthday. So he did his 500 pound deadlift and all that stuff. And, you know, now, like, Summer Strong is, like, rivals the NSCA Coaches Convention, in right. my opinion. Like, I mean, yeah. everybody goes down there. I mean, that's how these things start is you get a good idea, you get a bunch of, you know, good people around, you have a few beers, eat some food, lift some weights, and just kind of see where it goes from there. So I'm definitely, I'm going to have to, this year I won't be able to do it, go out there. I, I thought about trying to go out there just to watch and, you know, hang out and stuff like that, but... Uh, amateur worlds for the Highland Games for the same weekend. So okay. one of these years, I'm going to have to try to get out there and watch. And that's the thing is, like we had we had open houses before. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan Whiting came out, Darrell Hill, Mo through. Yeah. Um, but this is sort of where like I'm at the point now where I want to make it. You know, this is our our trial run, and and yeah. it's you know we don't want to lose money this this year. But it's sort of one of those things where at this I I see it like I want to be the guy that in five ten years like. I can bring throwers in and, and we can put on a good solid event that you oh, know, the winner, you know, the winner gets some decent cash. And at the same time they get paid right away. They don't have to wait like they do with the diamond league where they'll wait a year and a half until they have to get paid. Like I want these guys to show up, they drop a fucking bomb and then they get their cash, you know, they get their cash right away. And that, I mean, hopefully we get there in the next couple of years. We'll yeah, see for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That'd be, I mean, that'd be, that'd be really awesome to see that. Um, so what? How how about the weightlifting team? Do you have? Uh, we have the American Open coming up. Are you guys doing the American Open series in Michigan or? Um. So here's here's the the current situation is that I'm going to be going to. Well, I'm I'm planning on going to Worlds for track. In, okay. In the beginning of August and right before that, my weightlifters. We have a mini camp at Rogue. Uh, with Gatone and Demos, and so nice. we're gonna do the mini camp beginning of August. Then I'm planning on going to London for for track, yep. and then we got the Power Festival, and then I want some of my guys to go to Grand Rapids. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be there or not, but I'm gotcha. I I have some lifters that need to compete there, and then one of my girls, uh, she's a younger girl, youth. She qualified for the youth Pan Am team. So she's going to be going to Columbia in the early October. And then the thing is, is like most of my lifters are so young that I, I, you know, the juniors, I want to just basically train from now until, you know, the AO in, in, uh, December in Anaheim so that they get a really full long training block under them to really build up for good performance in Anaheim. Yeah. So you're gonna be out at Anaheim then? That'll probably be your next. Yeah. Uh, weightlifting meet. Cool. I'll definitely see you there then at yeah. Anaheim. That'll be awesome to see. Um, plug time. What do you want to plug? I know you got a whole bunch of different projects going on between EarthFed and you know your online stuff and everything like that. So uh, anything you want to plug now? I I just you know I always say. I own Earthfed Muscle, so I'd always like people to support yeah. Earthfed Muscle. We we support weightlifters, we support shop putters, and we have really clean products. You know, we don't put any bullshit in our products, and we designed all the recipes. We made the rest. We made the products for the first two years. Um, it literally started in my best friend's basement. So it's a it's it's a grassroots supplement company. I got GarageStrength.com, and we got a. Uh, 
I've got a buys and tries book. I got a, a shop put book. I got online programming anywhere from, um, you know, just gaining weight to Olympic weightlifting specifically. I train with, nice. I have a lot of people that work with Olympic weightlifting. I have a lot of throwers that work with me online and I'm in the next six to eight weeks, I'm going to be releasing another book, um, about embracing the thick life. So I'd nice. say see us, stay tuned for all that stuff. And yeah, well, definitely, I'll definitely put links to garage strength and all that underneath, uh, in the show notes of this. Now for anybody who wants to, you know, you know, work with athletes, stuff like that. What is your one piece of advice before we go into the lightning round for anybody that wants to work with any athlete, any type of athlete, whether thrower, weightlifter, et cetera, what is your one piece of coaching advice? For oh them? boy. Jeez. It could be anything. Uh, simple or not. Um, I just think it's account. It all comes back to the accountability side. Like I just think uh, you, you're more. It's more about holding athletes accountable than it is even your own program. You know, it, it's important to have really legit programming. It's important to have really good nutrition, obviously. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to: are these are can these athletes hold themselves accountable and you need to hold them accountable so that they hold themselves accountable. I think that's the biggest thing. And that's the fastest way to have success is that you can hold everybody accountable. Nice. That's definitely a great piece of advice. All right. Now for the fun part. Years ago, when I had first started the strength agenda as an online resource for strength athletes, a company called Blonix reached out to me asking if I would test their HMB plus creatine and write an honest review. I checked the ingredients to make sure they were USADA compliant and said yes, used it for a month as a test. I was blown away with the results. I had used creatine before in high school and college, but I never used HMB, let alone in conjunction with creatine. The difference it made in my training was noticeable as I was less sore after each training session. This is an incredible feat for me considering I had nine heavy training sessions a week with MDUSA. Over the course of four years, as I have switched from high-level weightlifting to being a professional grid league player, trying Moss Wrestling, and now working towards a pro status in the Highland Games, Blonix has been the one consistent supplement I take. The difference is noticeable, and I bet you'll be blown away just like I was. Use Strength Agenda Radio at checkout and score 10% off your purchase. I suggest the HMB and creatine to start, but I also highly recommend the beta alanine. Blonix, that's B L O. NYX.com. Lightning round. Uh, got I'm, nervous. I'm nervous yeah. about this. Uh, no, no, don't be nervous. <laughs> just, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, some of these are a little out of left field. Some of these are repeats just because I like hearing the different opinions and the different uh, questions. I'll so start with an easy one. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man or Batman? Who wins in a fight? Batman. Really? You're the first no, person to say Batman. Everybody no questions is- asked. Batman's a shit. Yeah, well, yeah, you gotta give some uh, detail there. Uh, I just, dude, I've always been a Batman fan because he's like a real life person. Um, it's, it. I mean, I know this sounds ridiculous, but like no. he could potentially be a real person. Like there could be yeah. someone out there that could be a Batman. And I've always just, I always like the Watchmen, and then I just, I like real superheroes, not like the sort of like something crazy happens and they turn into like Superman or Spider Man. Yeah. My dad's going to be pissed, though, because he's a Spider-Man fan. Oh, well. All right. You finish up this interview. You're getting your stuff done. You're getting your kids put down for the night. You go walk outside. There's a lottery ticket. It ends up winning you $10 million. Uh-huh. What changes? What doesn't change? Oh. <laughs> 
Well, the f- uh, dude, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, you're a pretty simple guy. So yeah, I that's that, the thing. I, like, I, dude, I live in an 800 square foot house. We heat yeah. our house with a wood stove. I probably I so I I have an infatuation with Dodge trucks. I'd probably buy an old 70s, you know, completely nice. rebuilt Dodge truck. I'd probably buy I had a Mercedes-Benz station wagon from the 80s for a while that I really liked. I'd probably want to get one of those because Lincoln used to call it the Red Dragon, and I sold it, and it's sort of one of those things I wish I'd never sold. But other than yeah. that, um, I mean, those things would cost me like $6,000, so I'd have a lot of yeah. money left over. I'd say, there you go. I'd, say I'd, I'd completely revamp the gym to put it the way I want it, and, I'd, and I would um, – my, my ultimate goal is that I turn my – my facility into like a OTC basically. I want it to be like a regional training center. So actually yeah. to go back, let me go back on this. The, <laughs> the, the first thing I would do is I would buy my ultimate goal is that I worked for a farmer growing up named the Hefners. And my ultimate goal is that I want to buy out their farm and I want to move yeah. my gym back to, to the farm. I yeah. want to move it to their farm and I want to have a, a regional training site for wrestling and then a, a regional training site for track and a regional training site for Olympic weightlifting. And I want to be like the head director and then the head coach of the weightlifting and the throwing. And yeah, so that's probably the first thing I would do. That's pretty cool. I wouldn't that's do it. anything else. Though. I mean, I like my house a lot. I like, I was going to say, yeah, I, you're a very simple guy. There's nothing wrong with that at all. All right. Uh, I just saw where I scroll through. There it is. There it is. What was the last thing you watched on TV and why did you choose to watch it? Um, I don't have TV. Let me think. Oh, there you go. Oh, I watched the NCAA for wrestling. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Because I'm a go. huge wrestling yeah. fan. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Back in March. All right. What's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently? Oh, man. Something funny that's happened. Caitlin, you got anything that's happened to me that's funny? Lately? Oh yeah, this is this is a good one. Uh, I was we were driving and I was like, I hate this, I, I hate this fucking intersection. And my son uh, Sanderson, he's two, and he goes, "Fucking intersection!" And I'm like, "Yo, I gotta, yes. I gotta, I gotta stop swearing around him now. He's two. Yes. He's yeah, Lincoln's yes. old enough where he knows, like, you know, don't say the f word. I'll get pissed. And Sanderson's at the age where he just repeats everything. And he's yeah, like, absolutely. He said he drops the f word, and Caitlin looks at me like, "You need to stop." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, I got two more for you. Okay. If there was a person. Who would you let punch you directly in the face? Obviously, not a thrower friend. Conor McGregor. Really? Or Floyd Mayweather. You let either of them. Just for the money. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, 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 who do you got in the fight? Now that you just branched off on that one. Uh, Mayweather for sure. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I. Would yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing I gotta say about that dude, I, I'm a big fight fan, and I. Yeah. They're both really good showmen. I, I, I sometimes Mayweather grabs a mic, and I'm cringing because he's so bad with it. Yeah. Um, but when he's not in an, in like the intense situations, he's he's like he's okay. He's not. I've never really been a huge fan, but he's an amazing boxer, and yeah. and people always poo poo the way he boxes. But at the end of the day, dude, it's a, again, it's a technical sport, and the goal is to not get hit, and he doesn't get hit. So I mean, he's a winner, plain and right. simple. Yeah. So I mean, I as you know, I'm trying to think if if I would let somebody else punch me in the face, though, it'd be. Uh, like, are we trying to pick somebody like that we idolize? 
It doesn't have to be. Conor McGregor or Mayweather is a really good answer. Okay, all right. I'll stick with that. There you go. All right, last one. If you became a pro wrestler in the WWE, what would your wrestling name be? What would your walkout song be? Uh, my name would be Ghostface Miller, which, nice. is, which is my personal Instagram, Instagram name. Handle. Yeah. And my, I can already answer this because I, I played a year of arena football after nice. I was done throwing, and I had a walkout song, and it was from KRS-One, and the song's called Rapture, Step Into a Step into the World, and it's my favorite, like... Pop-up song? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, Dane, thank you very, very much uh, for being on this episode. If you guys want to check out anything Dane does, we'll put uh, links to all his stuff in the show notes. But check out uh, www.garagestrength.com. Check out all his programs. Check them out on Instagram. He's got a lot of freaks. Um, my favorite line of his is, who do you train with? Uh, plain <laughs> and simple, you train there. You are training with the best. It doesn't matter if it's Pennsylvania or whatever. They are some of the best in the country. So, Dane, thank you very much, my hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I had a lot of fun. No problem. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.